0: I might get Oscar weekly It's M-M-O-Weekly
1: welcome 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 show that comes to you once a week cut recapping the hollywood week that was getting you ready for the holly weird week to come on this the third weekend in july 2019 or the first anniversary of both mama mia here we go again and unfriended dark web this is mike mike and oscar weekly hashtag mmo weekly hashtag MMOW. i am your co-host mike one this is Host,
0: also, Mike. Also, Mike. We are recording this on Friday of the week before you're listening to it. Of the days before you're listening to it. <laughs> but bottom line is, this is the last recording. This is the eighth recording. Yeah, that we've done this week. In we like are insane people. Six days. Yeah. So FYI, we know Comic-Con's going to break a thousand things this weekend, but we have a huge episode regardless because so many things broke this week. So on the next MMOW, on the next Oscar race update, we'll continue to hit all these stories, all the news stories that come, but this might be dated by a day or two. Yeah,
1: so hopefully you'll listen to this over the weekend. Like Mike said, we're going to miss some stuff. We'll catch up on that when we can, but there is a ton of trailers and news stories and do you care and a lot of stuff recapping your guys' audience interaction six degrees stuff that we kicked down the can from last week so a lot to get through let's get right to it with an oscar race update the oscar goes to and the winner is and the oscar goes the winner is oscar goes to mmow's oscar race update
0: so mike again we're looking forward to 2020 here we have damien chazelle his next film looks to be entitled babylon emma stone was rumored to be attached initially it is about Hollywood. And, of course, who do you go for to be the leading man in a Hollywood movie about Hollywood? These days, it's Brad Pitt. Right.
1: I think it's funny. If you look at Brad Pitt and Leo's upcoming filmographies, Brad Pitt is kind of going with Chazelle. He's got a couple other things lined up. Leo's got, like, three projects lined up with Martin Scorsese. It's almost as if both of them are apologizing to their usual suspects for doing the Tarantino movie that's going to come out this week. (laughs) It's like, we're sorry. We're sorry. It won't happen again. Uh, Babylon, like you said, Damien Chazelle... I don't know anything about it outside of what you wrote down. I know Emma Stone is circling it. I know Brad Pitt isn't confirmed, but he's circling it. And apparently, if you're going to have Emma Stone with the Damon Chazelle movie, you might as well hire Gosling, too. So he's been rumored alongside all these other names. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it, just the, the
0: personnel involved, that sounds Oscary to me. Absolutely. I wonder if the repetition with Brad Pitt doing two Hollywood movies about Hollywood in two years is going to work for him or not. It might, it might work
1: perfect. We're in a big pit if the, as if he ever left. but Let's between, see what Ad Astrid. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's going to all be good, <laughs> but we have one movie after another with Brad Pitt. Now, this one on the horizon. Needless to say, if Damien Chazelle does it, uh, we're going to be fans of it. We liked... You loved La La Land. I, I was did. not as high on it, but I still appreciated it. We love First Man. We both thought that should have been much higher up in mm-hmm. Oscars consideration last year. So, I don't know how much more excited you can be. So, guess what Chazelle's
0: doing next, though? He's doing a New York City, I say, jazz show called the eddie on
1: netflix does he know nobody cares about that genre of music (laughs) I, i am
0: obviously pontificating about just trying to needle mike here but
1: i don't even mind jazz but like there's other things in the world that can be made movies off damien i mind jazz you don't like jazz? I don't love jazz. <laughs> Skimity, bah, bah, doo, bah,
0: bah. I like that voice, though. Thank you. All right, <laughs> the next was,
1: story. Uh, the London Film Festival will have its opener. It will be Armando Iannucci's The Personal History of David Copperfield. This one stars Dev Patel. This is uh, something that a lot of sites think is going to have Oscar legs as well. We'll get our first look at it, Michael.
0: Yeah, last year, The Death of Stalin got Oscar buzz and Best Original Screenplay. Then again, I don't know if it was considered a last year movie or the year before movie. I know it got released in Britain in 2018. Nobody cares right now, but I I think it was considered for 2019. Anyway, Iannucci, he wrote Veep. He wrote You are uh, a big Iannucci fan. In the Loop. And and these are great political satires. Great political satires. Yeah. So he's been doing these period pieces in like new English and American accents, right? So you, you had the death of Stalin and Steve Buscemi's just talking like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it was weird, but it was fun. And now we have personal history of David Copperfield. I didn't see this when we did our mid-year Oscars report pop up in many places, but Dev Patel, he has broken through the Oscar uh, race before, and he has landed a nomination for Lion in the past. So maybe this film, having that opener slot at the London Film Fest, yeah.
1: that's a good omen for it. And we'll give more Oscars to Charles Dickens for the adapted uh, screenplay category here. Tilda Swinton involved in this as well. Ben Wishaw uh, who's my personal enemy. Hugh Laurie also involved for in Mary this. For Mary Poppins. <laughs> yes. You hold grudges, dude. You hold grudges. you got to see somebody. you got to talk to somebody about this. this and is, it shouldn't be me. This is uh, another, it seems to be loaded cast and you're right I mean it's not something that's been intrusive of all the Oscar lists certainly not as much as the Irish band was I was surprised with. I've seen it in some places sparingly okay. I don't think either one of us picked it all that often I don't even know if we really touched on it to be we honest we didn't touch on it alright so that'll be interesting and getting an opening premiere slot such a juicy slot such as the London Film Festival obviously is only going to help its exposure and help its Oscar chances uh, you are a big Ianucci fan uh, we I'm all love him. Veep yeah I'm so why wouldn't we Why wouldn't we have the highest of hopes in this the as loop. well you would love In the Loop I don't think I've seen it. You yeah. got You've been nominated for that for a while. Yeah, I should uh, finally break it down. Go ahead. Leaving Neverland
0: and surviving R. Kelly, these two documentaries, we were wondering if they were gonna mm. play into the Oscar race, Michael. They have been nominated for Emmys, so that answers that.
1: Yeah, I I I think that's that's fair too, especially with the new I guess adjustment that the documentary feature category has been undergoing ever since OJ made in America broke through and people were crying. How can a 10 hour documentary that aired on ESPN be up for Academy consideration? Because of course it'll win, which makes a lot of sense. It's like a TV series. Right.
0: It was a a TV series. It was a
1: mini series. Yeah. So (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. Whether these will actually win. I don't know, but I, I know there's higher purposes to those types of documentaries, certainly, than just winning awards anyway. And leaving, I have not seen the Surviving R. Kelly one. I obviously know about it. I've watched Leaving Neverland, harrowing, gruesome stuff. I got through a half hour, and that's all I could do. I don't blame you. It's once,
0: tough. Once it started going down that road, it was like, all right, yeah. I, can't, I can't handle it. It's
1: really, really tough to sit through, and, and God bless all those people involved. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a higher calling for those types of things than any kind of awards consideration we, re- we respect that we understand that but being an oscars podcast it was interesting and it would be interesting for us to see how many tv made documentaries are going to still pervade their way into the oscars conversation and for this case these two will not be doing that so that's kind of good to know going forward i guess there was no theatrical release so they couldn't be considered makes sense Toronto International Film Festival has their opening night film as well. Once Were Brothers, this is Robbie Robertson and the band. Do you know the band? Oh yeah, do I know the band? (laughs) I don't know the band. So here's a quick story. OAR played uh, our spring weekend concert freshman year at UConn. I think I was there. You might have been, I don't remember. I think I was there. Um, But... They, they, it was long. I don't remember. It was a long set. I like <laughs> OAR, but it was a long set and a long time to be standing around. So my it's a ba- crazy
0: game of poker. It takes a while <laughs> it to describe is. it. Yeah,
1: and jam about it, I guess. <laughs> so we ended up going up up in the rafters to sit down from our stage seats where we were standing. And they the finale was, I, I guess, them. Uh, Guster, I think, was one of the bands that. Guster was that sounds them. about right. Yeah, and they all came out and played uh, the weight by the band at the end. Take a load off, Fanny. My buddy who was with me finally gave him a standing ovation at the end of this, like, five-hour concert. And he was like, I love the band! I'm clapping because I love the band!
0: Let me guess this friend of yours' is name. It starts with a F and it ends at a rank? No, no, it was not him. It was not him.
1: <laughs> Though I could see why you would think that. That's funny
0: to us, yeah. the two of us sitting at this table and nobody else except for maybe Frank.
1: <laughs> so, all right, we get
0: a music documentary getting the opener slot at TIFF. What does this mean, though? Last year was the Outlaw King, the Netflix movie that really didn't do anything. The year before that, Borg versus Ma- or Borg McEnroe. Yep. The year before that, it was a you know a popular film, The Magnificent Seven. I don't know what 2015's Demolition was, but that was a movie. Well, I'll tell you what it means
1: to me is that the music bio whatever is a big deal in all genre of film right now. And there's if you have a I don't think a documentary of the band historically would be considered something that's worthy of opening the Toronto International Film. Which is a huge film festival. I mean, especially with Oscar implications historically. So that that is happening to me is a big deal. And I wonder just how much of an impact Bohemian Rhapsody had on the industry overall going forward. Like are all the original properties we're gonna get now just going to be green-lit musical bios? I'm
0: not against the musical biopic doing well, and I'm not against musical documentaries right. either. Me either. I love them. I'll watch anything. I mean, We were talking about a while back, like, we'll watch any kind of VH1 sure. behind-the-music type of uh, documentary. We Absolutely. we grew up on that stuff, and we love it. That being said, I, I'm not as big of a fan as of concert films. I know, like, didn't Scorsese direct... And the yeah, a yeah. movie with the yeah. band involved. Yeah, it was like their the farewell thought, concert something or something. Like yeah, he did. He it's been on my Amazon
1: feed forever. Ron ever, Howard but. did stuff with the Beatles as well, so yeah, that stuff's been out there. I know for a fact my father's excited for this, and he doesn't watch movies, there you so go. that's something. Dad <laughs> is proud of what we talk about. <laughs> once. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll transition here now. We'll talk about some other news stories, more probably headline news for News of the Week segment here. News, 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 news. Oh. New 007, Michael.
0: Lashana Lynch was awesome in Captain Marvel. I remember commenting on her performance when we reviewed the movie, which was our first Oscar sprint profile on the year. Mm-hmm. We still think it could factor in sure. visual effects. Mm-hmm. So she was Maria Rambo. She was uh Cap's bestie in that movie, and she really had a lot of agency towards the end. I yeah. Loved. I love the way they, they handled that character. She was kind of a badass. So this is a huge mark in her favor. I don't know her TV work with Bulletproof. I know she was in the film Brotherhood. But she does have a bunch of credits on IMDb. Now, the big controversy has been, why a new 007? Why is it not a white British man? <laughs> so those are the obvious controversies. Yeah, right
1: now. I- I, I, like you, i am not all that familiar with Lashana Lynch's work outside of Captain Marvel. Um, I saw this story pop up, and I was like, oh, that's interesting that they're announcing. I have no problems. I think it's a great casting. I would love, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all for her being the 007. I just, I'm curious as to why they're announcing it beforehand. Mm-hmm. My theory now is that they're trying to misdirect us on what's going to happen with Daniel Craig's James Bond. And 007 and James Bond, and shout out to Colby Mack, one of our listeners here, he he was making this point over and over on Twitter that it's important that people realize that James Bond and 007 are two separate entities. They right. just happen to be the same cinematically and historically. But they made such a big deal about how J- Daniel Craig is going to be retiring and James Bond is going to be retiring. going to be. They made it sound like he's going to ride off in the sunset. So my theory is, well, they must be trying to misdirect us on that.
0: He's so going to die. Yeah,
1: they think it's going to be a passing of the torch. And really, it'll be some kind of death with Daniel Craig's James Bond where Lashana Lynch picks up the pieces from there. That's a
0: major question circling yeah. that movie now, which is kind of fun going into sure. it, whether he dies or whether he goes off into the sunset. I mean, That'd Daniel
1: Craig didn't want to come back. like They had to no. throw a Brinks truck of money at him to come back, as we believe previous reports over the last couple of years, to do this movie in the first place. So it makes sense that this is his final and last one. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that we have the progression of the character going to a new lead. And with the world of cinematic universes being what they are, why wouldn't we have James Bond be its own cinematic universe now with continuity and storytelling like that?
0: Well, I just know she's a hell of an actress yeah. from what we've seen. And we'll we'll comment on it. If if she's great, then perfect. Absolutely. If, she, if she's not, then we'll let you know too. But uh, I, I do see some stakes for the new James Bond movie. Yeah. That's something that we haven't had in a while.
1: Good point. And I have the highest to hopes for her. And I hope she blows it out of the water. Can't wait. Uh, This one, another news story that just actually I saw right before we hit record just now. Eddie Murphy is in talks to return to the stand-up stage hmm. for a couple of specials for Netflix, for $70 million. Oh, my God. (laughs) So that's a lot of money. (laughs) That is so much money. I wonder
0: if this is in reaction to the stock dip. We're going to talk about that a little later, or maybe we could talk about call. it now. Interesting call. Uh, they needed some big news, so mm-hmm. maybe they upped whatever that offer was for Eddie Murphy to do another special. I so. mean,
1: he's like the godfather. I would think him and Bill Cosby, you know, were the kind of the first ones to foray to make stand up specials a big deal back in the early 80s, late 70s type thing. There was Raw, there was Delirious. Like you said, that famous leather coat that he was wearing for it made that stylish. So. <laughs> Amy Schumer parodied that really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, this was Rob Bailey Mulatto from the New York Post, he broke this story and he had he recapped how Eddie Murphy's been circling the stand-up stage for a while. He has an anecdote about how he was in Comedians and Cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld was talking to him about it. He had an anecdote about how Don Rickles asked, personally asked Eddie Murphy to return to the stand-up stage before his death in 2017. Uh, so this is a big deal. It's been a long time coming. Murphy has said he would return to the stage I don't think it's coincidental that this happens in the same year and the same time frame that we're talking about potential Oscar chances and a maybe return to the Oscars prestige for Eddie yeah. Murphy with Dolomite Is My Name as well.
0: Absolutely. It, it all makes sense. Yeah. He, he's planning a comeback on his terms, and he's getting paid handsomely <laughs> for it. Now, he's a supreme talent. He's Absolutely. always been. We've yeah. loved his movies. We've loved his stand-up. But he has been away for a while, or he's just been doing those kids' movies for a while You know, I wonder if he looks back. I wonder if he regrets all that to a degree. But he just made so much money. He made ridiculous
1: walk-away money. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So so it made... Like, he's just doing this because he he wants to. Yeah, I don't
1: know that he needs to ever work again in his life. And to that end, he's been very shut in and very reclusive. I mean, he... When SNL had their 40th anniversary show a couple years ago, there was questions as to whether or not he would even show up. He did show up, and he didn't really tell any jokes. He just kind of introduced the segment. But it was such a shock to see him on stage that everybody loved it yeah, because yeah. He, we don't get a lot of Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy and I also wanted to, to edit myself obviously Richard Pryor is a big deal in the early stand-up days too yeah no, a no, little no, bit goes without saying
0: but this is fascinating because Netflix is they've been breaking the bank for a while for yeah. all these stand-up comedians they've been changing lives and, and Camille Nanjiani just talked about it with uh, Bill Simmons a while back just how all of these guys who are toiling away with Kumail while he was getting his stand-up uh, reps in, mm-hmm. right? And they were just touring the local clubs from Ali Wong to, to plenty of others. Now they're making now they're you know, super seven figures, yeah. eight figures for these comedy specials because Netflix can pay them and it's worth it to Netflix to pay them.
1: Do you think the accounting department at Netflix with all the receivables and all the debt sheet that that company must carry just goes home in like, cold sweats every night? I just wonder if they wish
0: they saved more for a rainy day now. I wonder how much they've saved for a rainy day. Because they're going to be up against harder times going forward. We'll talk. We about
1: need away. the Irishman to be a hit.
0: <laughs> yeah, we
1: do. All right, Michael. Let's transition now. We'll talk about what we're watching. That's
0: what we're watching.
1: You are going to dominate this segment because I have nothing. Yeah, you've been
0: editing. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. uh, I did break my ass to get to the Lion King last night. This is
1: good. I we were questioning as to whether or not you'd have the energy to do it. I'm glad you did. What'd you think? I sat through an hour of traffic. I missed. Oh my god. Yeah,
0: it's a longer trip to this movie's theater in terms of mileage, uh-huh. and usually I make a, a quick trip. Right, but there was construction, and oh, it no. took me a full hour because it's long mileage. Everybody cares about. Well, it. at That's least the cool.
1: movie was worth it, right? No, I saw.
0: but look, I'm saying that because I was in a bad mood when I was walking in there. Okay. I missed the circle of life opening. I walked in after that. Yeah, great VFX, blah, blah. I had 3D. The (laughs) the movie isn't terrible. Okay. It is exactly the same story. $300 million
1: a decade in production. Great effects, whatever, blah, blah. Blah, blah.
0: (laughs) But here's what I learned. I learned you can teach a photorealistic lion many things. You can teach him to sing, to dance, to eat bugs, to fight and fall in love. Hell, you can even teach him to have a seance with his dead father. Okay. What you cannot teach that CGI photorealistic lion to do, Michael, yeah. is emote! Really? Emote! There's no acting here. And this goes back to our discussions of the Pixar rewatch series that we just had. Animation is at its best when characters are caricatures. Agreed. Faces must make expressions. The more cartoonish, the better in some cases. Disney
1: animated studios perfected this. Yeah, but this isn't news, right? This is is something that Disney has known. So you would think if they're spending all this time and money into making this quote-unquote live-action Lion King, they didn't have any kind of facial recognition or expression for you to relate to? It should have
0: been on my radar, because I remember seeing The Jungle Book, and it was just such an audacious spectacle, and Mm -hmm. they handled things differently than the original cartoon and I was long removed for the original cartoon but what you realize watching the Lion King is what makes it are all the you know the big facial expressions from the original. Yeah. Timon has personality through every look and gesture. same with Pumbaa the same with Mufasa. Hmm. James Earl Jones' voice matched up with all the angles of the face. These lions make the same face for everything they do. If they're just walking to take a drink of water or if they're mourning the death of a loved one it's the same gosh darn face because lions are terrible dramatists in real life they're majestic beasts they're terrible dramatists they suck at being actors mike we went back to finding nemo right mm-hmm. we we rewatched finding nemo and in our production research we found out that they used dog eyebrows
1: mm.
0: for these fish because fish can't emote that well so they had to you know jump through hoops Number one, in any cartoon, you can have bigger eyes, bigger facial features, but they literally took the eyebrows from another species just to help these things emote, and this was such a flat movie because of it, I could not get into it, it it felt rushed, and here's what it did, Mike. It drew my ire to all the other (laughs) flaws of this story.
1: So it was like a floodgate.
0: It ruined my childhood,
1: is what it did. Oh, jeez. It ruined (laughs)
0: it, because here's what I realized. Uh Uh-huh. Where are all the other male lions? This is a cult. This pride is a cult. They have a tyrannical stranglehold. And yes, I saw the Honest Trailers years back. But it it all came flooding back to me while I'm watching this. They have a tyrannical stranglehold on this fiefdom uh, of the surrounding population. This was like that Netflix documentary about that cult that put struck fear into all the locals. <laughs> right. This is what's happening. And this community. Bet this you aren't cult, getting
1: that comparison in other podcasts. This
0: cult <laughs> family of, of polygamous lions, uh-huh. they are basically having daily blood offerings. And taking their pick from all of the other uh, their neighbors, they're going out and they're murdering their neighbors. And the women pride members are doing. it. What's the difference between the Lion King and the Manson family? Oh, boy. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, we're about to study Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Lion King is the Manson family structure, and this is like Big Love. This is whatever this is. This is not what my childhood was. And I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but we lock those murdering bastards up for life. Okay, humans are better than lions. <laughs> I
1: will shut up now. Is there a chance? <laughs> Is there a chance that since you've been so inundated with the gritty, over the top violence and anger? And drama of Tarantino spectacles day after day. That maybe that may that mindset may have bled its way into your thinking about this movie.
0: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I grant you all of that. I grant you all of that. I am probably being I, a complete idiot. Well, here. no. I'll
1: I will say I having not seen the movie myself, I've seen a lot of people review it, and like I joked about, I, everyone's had the same review, and this is a little different. I wonder why, because everyone's saying, well, there's just some kind of emotional attachment missing. It's not the same as my childhood. It's not the exact same. Uh, you know, it's a shot for shot remake, but there I didn't feel a connection with the characters. I wonder if. That's because, like you're saying here, it's there's just nothing facially or any kind of emotion that you can wear on these characters that you can relate to. You have characters, but you have no performances.
0: You huh. just have photorealistic animals running around. Interesting. And it's very frustrating. Look, I mean, Billy Eichner is going off script from the original movie. He's, he made me laugh a bunch. He made me laugh the most. So it wasn't a... You know, terrible experience other than the trauma it's caused to my nostalgia. <laughs> right. You know, and it, it did. I, I don't like thinking about lines this way. I was like, what? This is this is fucked up. Jesus. This is ridiculous. And then the music isn't great or it wasn't loud enough in my theater, maybe. Huh. I don't know what it was, but I want to be overwhelmed by that joyous music. Yeah. Why aren't we playing Beyonce louder? I mean, she's singing beautifully. Of course. It was very strange. The, the balance was off and... I don't know. I am not a fan of the Circle of Life anymore. You,
1: you are. You are not alone. I will say, and that's a it's a worthwhile review. And I'm glad you. I'm sorry that the circumstances you saw this under were happened to you, but I, I think it's a worthwhile review, And I'm glad you went out to see it and gave your two cents on it. Uh, what else did you watch this week, Michael? Anything right. else to make uh, you happier? No. Well, <laughs> uh, yes,
0: but not yet. But Brightburn was very disappointing. I, I caught a, a screener of that, and it's just I'm not a fan. I mean, there's too much screaming, preteen kid. That just bothers me. It's like Looper (laughs) times a thousand. And I I really hated it in Looper when the kid just kept screaming. Yeah. Just kept listening to the kid scream. (laughs) And then when the kid starts speaking alien languages and then translating those alien languages for us immediately, Uh that bothers me too. I just, that's a new pet peeve of mine. (laughs) So when that happens in other movies, I'm going to be aggravated as well. That
1: trope that we all are familiar with. (laughs) Take over the planet. <laughs> Shut up, kid. I get it. I get it. Well, did they at least do honor to the premise. I mean, the premise is unique enough.
0: The first act and the third act are much stronger than the second act, okay. it's, 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 so I, I give them some props. It does leave you, you know, thinking, "Wow, that's an ambitious storyline," but I didn't it didn't land for me. Interesting enough. All right, I watched The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon God, Valley. God, you did finally get this. I, I said I would. I did, and I, I'm glad I did. It was it was a nuanced film about this personality. Mike. fascinating. Jai. What a wild story this was. Uh, they did draw some strong conclusions about her that's for sure
1: but i think they had the evidence to back it up too you know i don't think they were just i don't think it was a biased reporting
0: i think they uh they had some evidence Uh, they definitely had a a bunch of whistleblowers involved which was nice to see uh it's also kind of a tragic story in a way oh yeah and that was that was really something i wasn't expecting yeah so I, i i'm a big fan of this i don't know where it would rank for me B plus B+, something like that really really strong movie I, I would like to maybe revisit it at some point finally mike i watched david Harbor's frankenstein's monsters monster comma frankenstein <laughs> okay. this is a 32 minute short film mockumentary about david harbour trying to make a movie about his pretend father who is an actor where who he plays and the actor is just like toiling away in this obscure cinema and obscure theater. And this was, the, this is the play that his father made <laughs> Okay. Very funny opening. Uh, there's jokes that hit throughout, but not enough. I mean, if this was 10 minutes shorter, it's no anima. Let's just say that it's no because what it's is? no Paul Thomas. That's music Anderson to Tom stuff. York's ears, it's right fun. there. It's fun. I like uh, I like David Harbor. So if you're a fan, you 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 might like it more than me. If you're not a David Harbor fan though, you might just skip it.
1: All right. Well, speaking of skip it, let's see by skip it, we'll take the short out of it. But let's go. I know this is going to be a tough week for you based on these reviews, but we'll talk about the Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, Brightburn, and The Lion King. Reed make let's see if I skip those
0: I'm skipping uh, brightburn I guess I had I have to see the Lion King again and uh I will buy the inventor out blood and silicon Valley
1: uh-huh. because I would watch that again
0: yeah you know I, I mean I, I get that's it that's a movie I would just put on in the background sure while we're preparing these podcasts or whatever.
1: Uh, the best thing I saw this week is going to be the end of this recording session when we're finally done <laughs> with this this marathon, this sprint. This is an actual Oscar you sprint. You watched some was. things to wind down, though. You... I mean, I, yeah, it's not even really worth going on. It's just stuff I've watched. I literally took, like, three hours out of the last week uh, editing and researching just to watch my big brother and... This is a weird... Like, this is a bad season. This is a bad cast. Really? Like, there are some legitimately, (laughs) objectively bad people that should not have this platform of national TV to uh, be seen on. They're they're bullies. There's, like, borderline racism going on. There's been four eliminations so far by this group of young white people. The four eliminations have been one old man and three minorities it's bad optics, it doesn't look good, it's just playing itself really awkwardly. I'm actually kind of considering just giving up on it, Ian, which is sad, because wow. I love this show. It's my favorite reality show, but that, outside of that and the WWE Network, that's the only watch I've done for enjoyment this week. We've just had too much to do, so that, that's, that's really all I've had. And like I said, I'm not joking, but My 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 favorite thing I've seen this week will be the end of this, <laughs> so I can get to editing and uh, get yeah, on I'm get vacation. a little break here. Yeah, yeah so uh, let's move on to some audience interaction stuff. And like we said, we kicked down from the week before. We had Olivia Wilde going to Megan Rapino. but because we had a week delay in our Six Degrees of MMO challenge last week, Mike threw a wrench into the plans, and he said, because of the Lion King is coming out, why don't you go from Olivia Wilde to Megan Rapino, but going through Simba, who is apparently an unemoting lion cub.
0: He was, I don't know he <laughs> was a cute one. But yes, he was unmoding. All right, the David Lynch Award this week is going to go to Talk Zone Radio at Talk Zone Radio. Maybe you can pick a David Lynch movie after this. Okay. After I read this, so Olivia Wilde was in Tron: Uprising with Jeff Bridges, who is an Iron Man with RDJ, mm-hmm. who's in Spider-Man: Homecoming with Donald Glover, who's Simba in the new Lion King. Glover was in Community with Allison Brie. I love all these people. Yeah. Uh, who was in the Lego Batman movie? Guess what? Who's showing up again? My God. Produced by Steve. Steve Mnuchin, who works in the White House, where Megan Rapino isn't going. So the final, the final line there really made me laugh. I really like that he put it back to Steve Mnuchin again.
1: Yeah, I like the Steve Mnuchin inclusion, and there is, I mean, for as obtuse as the link of somebody not doing something is, this is actually a news story and that she's saying she doesn't want to go interact with Donald Trump and wouldn't re- would reject the invite anyway. Um, <laughs> just based on Steve Mnuchin's involvement, I would call it blue velvet and he could be the Dennis Hopper character. Not a good guy uh, is what I would say. Right. But we're, a... <laughs> yeah, we're not in Steve Mnuchin fans,
0: which is the last time we did a Six Degrees, somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You
1: know, <laughs> Steve Mnuchin involved, so that's funny. The Efficiency Award this week, a little awkward because it happened, came to us prior to the symbol wrench in the plan being uh, thrown in there, but we said that we wanted all your submissions anyway, so this is uh, more than satisfying, more than satisfactory. Swamp Thing at Voychek Weishor, frequent flyer here. Megan Rapino was born in Redding. The same as Shane Drake, who produced Walks Like Rihanna by The Wanted, these are all words that mean nothing to me. (laughs) Uh, Rihanna was dating Drake, the rapper, whose music video for Nice For What contains Olivia Wilde. Have you ever heard of The Wanted or Shane Drake? This could be total lies. This is a man that just was throwing darts at a board with words on it, and he's trying to fool us, and he did. (laughs)
0: Look, Wojcik loves his music videos, and the knowledge here. It's amazing. You couldn't
1: just research this, Mike. You have to know this. You have to have a base to start on, at least. Yeah, it's amazing. Great job, as always, Wojcik. Thank you for that. Congratulations on the Efficiency Award. Michael, who is the winner? The winner this week is Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop.
0: On Twitter there, he says, sneaky, sneaky, change it up right in the middle of the week, huh? Well, <laughs> I accept your challenge and we'll add more Portlandia, which he did in his original nice. submission there. So, he says, Olivia Wilde guest starred in three episodes of Portlandia. The theme song for Portlandia, Feel It All Around, was sampled by Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino is the alias of Donald Glover, who voices Simba wow. in The New Lion King. Portland is also the home of the University of Portland, of course, where Megan Rapino attended college and played for the Portland Pilots. So I had a double take on this. I was like, how does that connect? But Childish Gampino... Sample aka Portlandia. Donald Glover,
1: aka Simba. It's almost an efficiency award too. It just took him like three lines to describe the middle connection. Well, it's an efficiency award because he left out one of the connections. But we had to. No,
0: the, well, no, he did. Yeah, but he didn't spell it out for us. It was a mystery because it's the dark nook shop. It's a dark nook of a mystery. I like
1: shop, bookshop. That six degrees. of I have of no MMO. idea what his shop contains,
0: <laughs> but go buy stuff from
1: there. I like that six degrees of MMO has not only brought in multiple references of Steve Mnuchin, but has now also spread its wings enough to include the Portland Pilots. Uh, Which is, I think, where we all thought this was going to go at some point. We knew it was going to happen. It was (laughs) inevitable. It was inevitable. But great job, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for that. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Dark Nook Shop. uh, At Dark Nook Shop there on Twitter. You are the winner of all things Bragging Right this week for 6 Degrees of MMO. You get to sit on our Iron Throne, which is light blue made of wired hangers with the, the, the floating thing in the back. Some streamers coming off the top. Probably should be like... You know how those those Bayou Blazer things are always run by guys that live down there.
0: I'm just gonna keep letting you just roll out the rope until you hang yourself. With this how about a guy okay,
1: now, Francois? Like, I feel like a guy named Francois would be there you could as the going. guide. This is gonna take longer than the actual <laughs> segment.
0: But why you? The easy thing would have been like the Iron Throat could have been set in Portland.
1: Yeah. There, well, it's in the swamps of Portland. That's where s- Francois from. There's swamps in Portland? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm making this up as I go, man. Uh, that, you get all the bragging rights this week, Darkna. Good we job. We suck
0: at improv. Do we
1: have a challenge for them next week, Michael? Okay. We're going
0: to go with Lashana Lynch, who's going to be the new 007. Of course. And getting the torch. That was passed from a cold, dead hand of uh, Daniel Craig, <laughs> okay. we think, we hope. but better be better for the drama of it. we mm-hmm. uh, We'll see. And we're going to have news in a little bit about uh, Edward Furlong, who is the original John Connor Yeah, T2.
1: He's back, baby. Yeah. So, Lashana Lynch to Edward Furlong. That's your next... Six degrees of MMO. I like it. Let's get those entries coming fast and furious for next week's MMOW. We'll move now into a box office update. Obviously, we're recording this on Friday. So, box office numbers for the weekend have not even started coming in yet because it's not the weekend, technically. So, let's talk about some numbers we do have available to us, Michael.
0: Yeah, last night, the Lion King uh, made $23 million in Thursday previews. That is a a very big number. Is. Uh, it's eyeing 150-plus on the opening domestically this week. It's already made $100 million, though. It, it crossed that mark uh, yesterday worldwide after opening in China for a $55 million weekend, I believe it was. And then uh, during the course of the week, it crossed that $100 million mark. So it's all about the Lion King right now, and I think it's going to wind up making a lot of money.
1: Yeah, probably not a brave statement there, but... I don't make brave statements. <laughs> I... So, 150 domestically, and I said this on Twitter, it's a bit of a disappointment. Like, I'm sure, and this was the exact thing I, I, I said. I'm sure when they made this Lion King movie and they had it in its inception form, they weren't like, well, if everything goes right, maybe we can match Captain Marvel at the domestic box office for the opening. So, I, I think that's a disappointment. I, I was going back and forth with, with someone about whether or not it can, it's going to approach 1.5 billion. If it's already done 100 million overseas. You know, Avatar was huge because of its overseas numbers because the overseas audience loved the spectacle of those visuals. So I can absolutely see a world in which the spectacle of the visuals and the graphics and the the all that alone is enough to draw people into the theater and have it make some buku dollars. So the budget was two
0: hundred fifty million. It's already made one thirty point five technically mm-hmm. when at our time of our recording on Friday here. It's going to come out of the weekend with 150 plus 100 plus whatever it makes. Probably uh, be about three, 400. So it's probably right a, now, 350, 400 yeah. when it comes out of the weekend. So it's almost breaking even at that point. And so right. then it'll be all gravy from there. So it's going to make money. Sure. But it's not going to make a billion dollars. What was it supposed to make? We, we don't know. Like these budgets and these earnings could mean various things. Like if Disney's counting on this to really prop up the rest of its release schedule that could be very well on the other hand i wonder what it's doing for the brand and that's my bigger question like if this movie is is just going to be disappointing for more people than it isn't are they going to keep doing these just to make the money and cynically keep churning these out i think the
1: answer to that unfortunately is probably uh as long as they keep making a profit off it i'm i'm with you i think we're going to get to a point at some point soon where the the live action remake has run its course because these are just they're not great films mulan is doing something different yes as a live action remake
0: it's not going to be a big musical with cartoon animated it's it's basically literally it's finally a live action remake right it's not an animated cgi film
1: and look i mean look how excited all of us are for this right everyone was was astounded by how the first trailer looked but you get the beauty and the beast you get cinderella even the lion king for christ's sake it's not i mean the scores alone they'll, they'll tell you they're not well received and well yeah.
0: orchestrated films. Years ago, they made this work because they actually did live action remakes of 101 Dalmatians right. and the Jungle Book and mm-hmm. all those movies we loved. Yes, you know, other companies tried to do it too, and the Inspector Gadget didn't really work, like you mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of yeah. uh, another episode right. we recorded. That I have no idea <laughs> when that will be released to you, but we did talk about Inspector Gadget. Mike, I think these live action remakes are kind of nearing a danger zone because Aladdin wasn't all that well-received. The Lady and the Tramp's coming to Disney+. Plus. Dumbo is just a flat-out bad movie. This has not been a great year for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the quality of the picture plus... I am convinced Disney must have thought, well, if we do a live-action Lion King, quote-unquote live-action Lion King, it's going to make $2 billion. We could probably count that money already. It's not going to make $2 billion. No. I mean, it'll. Str- I think it might struggle to make $1. Aladdin struggled to make $1 billion. I would think this does a little better than that, but I would be very, very surprised if it hits $1.5 But again, it depends on the international market. The point is that there's enough red flags now in these live-action things that you've already talked about and, and we're hitting on here in total that just it, it, there's a reason to be concerned. Definitely, definitely. But, but got- I don't wait for Disney either. No. so <laughs> no. they'll be fine. Yeah. They're, they're making money with right. this, honestly. All right, let's move on to some trailer thoughts. Big week for trailers. Tra-
0: It ends is the first trailer we're going to talk about. Is it called It Chapter Two or is it called It
1: Ends? Kevin Brackett was making fun of me on our Facebook. about I'm I thought it was called It Ends. He's convinced it's just It Chapter Two. I think It Chapter Two is the correct name. I don't care. I think we'll It Ends. Is a, I think It Ends is a better name. I would call it It Ends. We've seen It Chapter Two, right? We, I mean, why why do that? Don't remake it. We'll do something different. That's my two cents. Yeah, maybe it could work as a test balloon, perhaps. Well, I mean, listen. I
0: think they do float these things out once in a while. Uh, You're just going with those puns. (laughs) I think they like to clown around. If they were approaching a sewer of names, (laughs) I think, uh, (laughs) seriously, I do think they test these things at times. and if everybody loves, oh, it ends this is the coolest thing. If yeah. you were louder, like you are in real life on the internet, maybe you can get this going. And you we need to be louder. I'll be louder. Change it to from it chapter <laughs> two to it ends. What'd you think about the trailer? I liked some of it. I didn't like all of it. Like the last trailer, I thought the last trailer was brilliant. I thought the Unreal. ending montage out coming out of that really scary scene. Yeah, was perfect. And this trailer gets us inside the Losers Club a little more. We learned that, and I remember the book. I read the book. It wasn't a great book, to be honest. But I remember that the further they got, the more their memories would fade mm-hmm. as they got older. We know that it's 27 years. There is a the, the longest scene in this is the one in the sewer where Pennywise shows up. I thought that was the best part of the trailer.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I also liked seeing Bill Hader, uh, and I liked seeing the, the fading out of who the older, who the... Yes, adults represent when they were younger. I thought that was cool that crosscut there. That important.
0: They're probably going to do that in a movie too. Uh, yeah, you'd hope.
1: What, I don't think there's much to, to promote about this at this point. I, you know, I know that's silly to say because, of course, they're going to, but I, I just can't wait. I don't think there's anything they can do to really temper my expectations. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very excited for it. Pennywise is talking some shit. For 27 years, I dreamt of you. <laughs> I craved you.
0: I missed you, or whatever he said there. It was, I love that. And then I love that we get the like Pennywise without his costume at the end of it, Yeah, which was, was weird. weird.
1: And the kid was creepy as shit in this as well. He's creepy. I liked this catchphrase
0: from the first movie. You like him for the first better. One better? He'll float too. is better than you lied that I died.
1: <laughs> That's going to get annoying, isn't it? I don't understand why these people are at a carnival. Well,
0: it's, it's got to be a carnival set up by Pennywise, right? It's all his face everywhere.
1: Oh, is it? It's got to
0: be his carnival. Because of
1: wouldn't that be like you're not going to go. You spent your childhood being haunted by a ghost clown. The one place you're not going. Yeah, but if, if he just... Right, if he puts it on you, I understand that. Yeah, and you have no choice. But you're not buying a ticket no. <laughs> if the carnival comes to town.
0: Absolutely not. Of course not.
1: I can't wait for this movie. Yeah, uh, I'll be- tell you a movie I can wait for. <laughs> <laughs> we n- feared that this... Nightmarish <laughs> horror zone that was Cats. So
0: Ryan L. Terry said the tweet this morning that really made me laugh because he's like... Who produced this Bialystok and bloom? (laughs) This is a real springtime for Hitler, this one. (laughs) I loved it. So, the cats setting what was bothering me in the talking about it in the mid year Oscars report. I didn't know if it was going to be a planet of the cats. Did this
1: answer your question? Rise for the planet of the cats. Did this give you everything you wanted? Yeah, it did. (laughs) This is a nightmare. (laughs) This looks terrifying. So the
0: featurette, let's start with that. Okay. The featurette goes behind the scenes and you have some of the most talented people in the world getting their reps in the dance studio and singing. Yes. And this looks phenomenal.
1: Yeah, look, these are really uber talented people at the tops of their crafts. I'm sure the songs will be great. I'm sure the choreography will be great. Jennifer Hudson's voice in the trailer yeah, is Yeah, it's awesome. It looks hilarious. It's a nightmare.
0: It looks hilarious. Number one, like that's Taylor Swift. She's the main character? I don't get
1: it. I don't know. I can't tell. I don't The only pr- cat I knew was Taylor Swift. What a sentence. The only cat I knew <laughs> was Taylor Swift was the over-sexualized one that's like leaning down and sprinkling catnip. Yeah. Cause there's one cat that's kinda hot. I'm not gonna lie. Just
0: <laughs> saying. Whatever. I'm a red blooded man. <laughs> what? It's like yoga pants cat. What? I'm just saying. All right, I'm not going to... You don't have to edit it. It's just one cat's kind of hot. I don't know if that's Taylor Swift or not, but Oh, my God. One. The rest of them, some are wearing, like, fur coats. Like, all the old ones are not in body suits. They're wearing fur coats. It's just weird. Idris Elba's, like, got the Dolomite is my name
1: jacket. They... I don't know how I'm going to move on from that. They, uh... they They look... I don't know why... If something worked on Broadway for so many years... With just, you know, regular makeup and costumes. Yeah. Why? <laughs> At some point, computer graphics and innovation, innovation and the rush to be first to do something is going to hurt a production. And I think this might be that point.
0: So, basically, the, the sets are huge. They're huge human settings. Right. And this is a, a, a night in the light of a cat. Yes. That lives in a, basically, everybody sleeping in the city. Right. And the cats are basically just out there singing musical numbers and dancing to them. (laughs) It... I think it's, you get these faces, and they're so earnest and sincere, and then it looks so absurd. Yeah, and then it's a
1: cat. the Jennifer <laughs> Hudson's going for this it. This is like the worst version of the extreme of what the Lion King didn't have that you were describing. This is like too human emotionally on a lion or an animal. And my impulses are confused because one of them's hot. That's, I don't understand. Well, whatever. I just, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Can't you t- take it back? Weirdest now. fucking assessment of anything. Like, <laughs> okay. We, Tell me. We have it, to move on. Uh, it, is one of the characters hot or not? Let me know. Speaking of just oozing <laughs> sexiness, uh, Tom Cruise is playing a character he played thirty-five years ago. So is
0: he? Here's what my
1: fear: He's
0: really flying, isn't he? It's really. I, it him. looked real.
1: It looked really real. That's well, for sure. He's definitely
0: really in the cockpit now is there a pilot behind him and a cameraman do they have one of those elongated you like x-men planes that they only shoot the the tip of it because i know they have those Mm -hmm. where they put the pilot and they put the cameraman in different spots so at the very least he's in one of those my fear is that it's just tom cruise flying around and there's (laughs) like a drone pilot or whatever attached i had a similar
1: i had a similar thought like this guy's actually doing these these circumventing in all these circles in the air and going crazy, isn't he?
0: It's a, it looks tremendous. I mean, it's intense uh, action-wise.
1: It, it looks beautiful. looks so much better than Top Gun 2 2019 has any right to look.
0: Yes. Now, does, is that a tonal problem for the rest of it? Because you got the volleyball... You oh, there was the, topless
1: people. There was a beach. You got the
0: singing. And that is fun because it was awesomely bad right. in a way. Right. Before that term was even coined. Right. Even in the 80s, people knew, like, this is kind of just fun and goofy. Right? So, like, is
1: the production going to be in on the joke of what makes Top Gun great? Or are they trying to make Mission Impossible Top Gun? Right, right. Yeah, God. I think that's a legitimate concern.
0: I, I mean, there's a dramatic hook here. Like, why isn't he an admiral? Why aren't you a three-star admiral at this point? You know, he's like I'm just a captain, and that's right, a great but, mystery. I mean, I like that. But wouldn't
1: like that guy would be kicked out of the forces, wouldn't he? <laughs> if he's like sixth, pushing sixty, and still has arrested development as far as his progression up the ranks. I have no idea. That's a good point. Perhaps <laughs> uh,
0: I just know that Tom Cruise. Brings a lot of cachet, and maybe he's like a good example for some reason to all these other fighter pilots. Maybe he just wants to be a fighter pilot, and he never wants to be anything else.
1: Joseph Kaczynski is the director. He's the guy that did Oblivion. He did Only the Brave, Tron Legacy. That's his CV right there. Only the Brave's
0: the best of those.
1: You like Oblivion? No. Yeah, what was that? I agree with everything you say as much as I disagree with your assessment of the attractiveness of Cats. (laughs) <laughs> and my assessment of this next movie trailer Yeah, again So we we found out that Mike and I have a pillar That we will never find common ground with yes. And it happens to be Kevin Smith movies Because we watched uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot The Red Band trailer debuted You were not a fan
0: my friends in college were from Jersey, and they tried to show me all these movies, mm-hmm. which I wasn't familiar with. Going back, right? But Mallrats, and I think it's a Jersey thing. Like the Jersey people really love these movies, and I just never got into them. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back had its moments. Like Will Ferrell, I thought was funny in it. I just I don't laugh at it. And I, I, so uh, any any of those movies? You were, I am you're fan the of? warm
1: water or the cold water? I'm the cold water. You're the wet blanket. I'm the wet blanket. So you you didn't like Mallrats. Oh my God. Mallrats might be one of my favorite comedies of all time. Wow. I, I like this is, none this is of shocking them. shocking like news to me. Absolutely none of all them. All right. So, you were in this I, trailer.
0: Tusk is probably. I haven't seen Tusk. A, a, yeah. My favorite Kevin Smith film, and I didn't really love Tusk.
1: Okay. All right. So that's just where I am, but you enjoyed this, so you take over the talk. I love please. this trailer. This was everything please. I want a Jane Silent Bob, re- especially a movie that's making fun of itself already. To I love be. the premise. Yeah. I mean, that's what they, it's just building off what Jane Silent Bob Strike Back laid down. It's such a meta-narrative, too, on the movie industry. And that enough time has passed that these guys can play the same characters that are upset about the remake being made, about the characters they were, except they aren't in real life anyway, back ten years ago. I think that's fascinating. Seeing Matt Damon and Ben Affleck coming back for this just made me smile that they can still hang out with Kevin Smith and put a smile on my face. And this just is like... I don't expect this movie to be great. I expect it to be exactly what it should be. Kevin Smith has been in the Hollywood industry for years. Yeah. He's got a lot of famous friends. I expect them all to show up in good faith, make a one-off joke, and for me to be smiling for an hour and a half.
0: Yes, they they all look very old wearing young clothes,
1: though, <laughs> which is very strange. Kevin Smith and Jason Hughes, specifically. Yes, look, I I, when we're old, we shouldn't be wearing young clothes. Yes. Yeah. Because it looks like that. Now we've learned. And I, this is... An awful criticism, especially for a fat guy like me to have, but... Kevin Smith having lost so much weight—that's not the same Silent Bob. It's not
0: the same. He Silent seems Bob. way too serious. Did to I bring you Silent over to my negativity? No, here? No, no. I am like
1: very this. excited for that. I, la- I was laughing throughout the entire trailer. Well,
0: that's good. And his yeah. daughter's a good actress, so that's true. I'm curious to to watch that little uh, gag play out with them. I mean, I'll see this at some point. I don't hate the movies, but I just I don't love the movies. I'm very middling on these.
1: That's surprising to me, but I, I mean, I get it. I, I can understand that, and maybe because it was forced down your throat in your college years too, you didn't want to be part of New Jersey. Oh, no, I'm just
0: a nerd. It's just, uh, comedy, you got, you got taste for comedy. It's just not Man. my taste. That's
1: that's fair. All right, we'll move on. At Astra had its second trailer be dropped on us already. It's just not my taste for comedy <laughs>
0: here. It's just uh, not where
1: <laughs> I, it, it hits my funny bone. Look,
0: uh, this movie is something I have already formed a grudge over. You have? I have. Because... Brad Pitt looks nothing like his movie father, Tommy Lee Jones. The whole premise of the film is based on that. They didn't even give him the same hair, which they should have gave. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, fine. Getting beyond that. We got overhead shots of strange rooms in this trailer. Is that room just like optimal for sound? We should know this as podcasters. We don't. But that's uh, yeah, a weird room. It's, a, I don't know. I, I, it's like a house of cards room. I got nothing for you there. And not from the TV show. Literally a house of cards. <laughs> we see the parachute finally. Mm-hmm. So th- again, it's probably physics BS mm-hmm. that, that he's able to somehow fall from outer space. How he's able to fall from outer space, I don't know. I guess he's on the edge of the atmosphere. And we see a parachute, so he's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, they are going to need to explain that. I agree.
0: Incredible visuals of near escapes throughout this. I like kind of the idea of a moon base or moon colony or whatever that is. I don't like the idea of having like a cowboy bar in there with virtual reality strippers (laughs) or whatever.
1: I don't understand. That took me for a a left turn. I was not expecting uh, we're getting Star Wars. Is that what we're trying to push here? I don't know what we're getting, but we're getting a
0: company to save the world. They're sending the son of the man who has got the world's fate in his hands and now... May have deserted everyone, too. May have deserted... That could throw as many wrenches into the plan as it could. I guess that's the reason for the drama of it. But <laughs> it, do, doesn't that sound like it's a, as risky a plan as it is you know, possible?
1: I mean, I guess if he's the best in his class and he was made for this and maybe you're the only one that can talk him down if you find him. I, I, I could see it being explained away. I, I will say... I was impressed by the visuals and the score. And watching this trailer, first of all, it made me think, wow, maybe this won't be the mess that we all think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel a lot better about having included this in some mid-year Oscars categories, lower in the card ones. The, the production visual values... Visual effects and production design.
0: ...do look better than I, I thought. Yeah. And um, his last movie, Gray's last movie, Lost City of Z, mm-hmm. that, that, that's where it was. Again, high production values for Amazon there. So I'm hopeful that this will be a little bit better than I fear as well. Yeah. I just, I did, the plot bothers me.
1: It's a hard left when you see that cowboy disappear and then reappear out of nowhere in, in that fantasy bar there. That's a hard left-hand turn for that trailer, I thought, too. It's very strange. Yeah. The Red Sea Diving Resort is coming on Netflix at the end of this month in the end of July. Captain America is going to play Captain... Uh, America.
0: <laughs> he still got the beard. He still got the glorious Captain America beard. We got Michael K Williams going for that accent really hard. Yeah. Is he pulling it off? I just know Michael K Williams in other accents. That's why I don't know if it's practical. Yeah, I, I was I was a little taken back, but I thought it was all right. It's all right. It does everything in this trailer is all right. It's going to be a Netflix yeah, movie. Yeah. Mid-budget movie, right? This is yeah. one of those mid-budget movies that winds up on Netflix right. uh where we got this true to life Action film. Yeah. It's breaking out Hotel Mumbai style. Exactly. And we'll probably watch it
1: at some point, right? Because it'll be right in front of our face. Exactly. I mean, this is exactly what Netflix, I think, should be doing. I think they should be the house of the mid-budget movie, but they obviously have higher Oscar aspirations and stand-up aspirations than that. But I think this is where they can just exist and live and make money forever. There's an h- entire industry
0: built on forty-year-old guys fighting thirty-year-olds right. <laughs> and fifty-year-olds, basically having to tell off fifty and sixty-year-olds and fight thirty and twenty-year-olds. Yep. This is just an. This is the action genre, and I like forty-year-old guys and look I mean they made most movies about 40 year old guys for 100 years of filmmaking so it's a little overdone it's it's, it's time for other people to get movies made about them but I'm about to be a 40 year old guy so i'm getting there i've I got, years you got a little time to go. i got years to go but it's getting there it's approaching so it's, yeah i mean i can relate i like his
1: beard and i think he's gonna fight well i'm you should be very grateful that we haven't developed drops off of things we say <laughs> from this because i like 40 year old guys and that cat is hot are <laughs> two gems that you've dropped this episode i just hope
0: that you're you're your exhaustion from editing so much <laughs> will not allow you to go back and, and take those out.
1: I'll give you mulligans. <laughs> the Kingsman is the last trailer we'll talk about here.
0: So, this is the Kingsman. This is the prequel to the two Kingsman movies with Taron Egerton. I don't
1: think I could care less about this. No, the
0: first one's good. The first one's very good. I did not see the second one because I heard it was very bad. Okay. Uh, they're basically giving the series to Ray Fines after it was with... You know, he's going to be in charge of the Kingsmen right. group, the up-and-coming... But this is
1: like a prequel.
0: Secret, secret agent group. You're right. And they have this breakout star who's going to be in, like, the Taron Egerton role where you have the mentor, spy, you know... Ch- basically training the new young spy and he is such a breakout star that they won't even let him say one word in this trailer (laughs) whoever this kid is he's ripped out of rock you know he's cut out of rock he's he's ready to be the next star and what are they doing it's just ray fines talking all the time yeah
1: well i mean Ray, i do love ray fines but i understand your point and it's well taken do we need this movie i don't we absolutely do not need this movie do we need a retcon of
0: world war one or world war two or whatever world war that was it look like there's trenches until so World War One.
1: I'm tired of franchises, man. I really am. Like this, You can't tell me I wouldn't rather have seen all the effort that this movie took to go into some original property with Ray Fiennes. Make and this five new original
0: properties for that $100 million that yeah. you put this through for. I I agree, but we already got James Bond. We already got Kingsman 1, which was awesome. Right. Like, I, if yeah. you want to watch a Kingsman movie, watch Kingsman 1. It's got its moments. It's worthwhile. Yeah. And I'd even watch Kingsman 2, because at least you got all the old... You know, you're trying to, you know, replicate the same thing you just accomplished with the first one. I agree with everything
1: you said. Maybe we're totally wrong. Maybe this one will make buku bucks at the box office. The first two Kingsmen obviously have done well enough, despite the second one being a little uh, subpar than the first. So, who knows? Maybe we're in the black on this one, and we're we're totally in the dark.
0: We don't know, but we got to ask if we care about stuff, which is basically what we've been doing this whole episode. But let's keep (laughs) going.
1: we wrap it up here with the Do You Care segment? This is where we take news stories over the week and we ask each other, do we should we or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask also Mike here about the upcoming releases that are coming out this week in theaters. Mike, do we care about Once, oop, oop on, up. <laughs> up, up in, but something with Hollywood and Honeyland? You're such a nerd, <laughs> uh, Honeyland, Mike. Yeah, Honeyland. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is one of the most awarded films at Uh Sundance, as the trailer told me. And uh, how is she going to leave a place she's lived her whole life? I mean, she's like the Mother Teresa of bees, right? She's just, she's the delicate balance of this ecosystem. And no, I'm sorry, I don't want to trash this movie. It really seems like a heart-wrenching social drama about these beekeepers and you have a whole new group of people moving into her town Basically wanting to scourge all of the beekeeping and make it their own industry. And this one little old lady, Mother Teresa lady, was basically (laughs) running the place, just taking one little piece of honeycomb and eating it and having a day of it.
1: Is this a documentary?
0: I don't know if it's a documentary or a narrative fiction. Okay. I have no idea. (laughs) Watching this, it looks like the real person. All right. So it looked like a documentary.
1: Uh, yeah, it does, look like, it does look like a documentary. Right, it is thank, a documentary. Thank God for yeah.
0: that. <laughs> because, well, then again, this actress would probably win everything. Right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she, she, she looks like she's Let, actually keeping bees there. Right. All
0: right. So I have no idea. Uh, but, yeah, I care about the releases this week and that other movie, too
1: never heard of it once upon a time in hollywood doesn't make sense to me (laughs) we've only done nine
0: episodes of preview on that i'm not gonna touch on it again now all right mike barbie is getting uh two great screenwriters and directors to write this screenplay for margot robbie's producing and starring role here margot robbie is actually superwoman like in real life She's doing an awesome job with her production company. Yeah, she really is, and we're rooting for her projects. And she's too taking well.
1: hold of of properties and kind of making, forcing them through production and funding them herself. She's, I mean the the Birds of Prey screenplay. I don't know if it gets off the ground without her taking control of the the uh, Harley Quinn character. That there. needs to be good. Doesn't yeah, it it? Does not it? yeah, it really does. It that really does.
0: Really needs to be good. DC needs needs another uh, uh, hit. Yeah. yeah, and they need a critical hit. Yeah,
1: they need they do absolutely co-sign so, that.
0: Greta Gerwig. Noah Baumbach, they're in the Screen.
1: Barbie was rumored to be happening for years, and Amy Schumer was attached to it at one point. It kind of fell apart after her I Feel Pretty movie came out, and so now, like you said, it's being revived from the dead almost. Margot Robbie's going to play the titular character, and we have that famous couple that everybody loves in Hollywood right now of Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig helming this. I don't see how this won't be a great movie for all little girls to go see. So
0: they're basically hiring great writers right? to write a franchise
1: property. And probably a coming-of-age property. Hopefully. Which is what, I mean, that's their bread and butter, Bombeck and Gerwig's, but also what is more relatable for all little girls to to have at their disposal than a Barbie? Little Little boys boys and girls, boys too.
0: For sure. This is not our childhoods, because we were brought up in uh, different circumstances, toxic masculinity and all that stuff. Uh, You know, shit we had to deal with. It wasn't for us, but I'm curious to see this movie now just because of the, the personnel involved.
1: Same here, I absolutely am. I and I will say I'm more certainly drawn and hopeful and expect a more mature take of it with Bombat Gerwig and Margot Robbie's involvement than I would have been with Amy Schumer. And that's not a slighted Schumer, I just would expect more slapstick and more com- comedic if it was an Amy Schumer property. So what they won't do, what
0: we know they won't do, is have basically Margot Robbie look like a toy and do all the CGI right. out of a toy and have giant human human settings of those for those <laughs> toys and basically a night in the life of Barbie and Ken and all these people.
1: Like if you said
0: with a lot wow, of s- that
1: Barbie doll is hot, I can i get that. <laughs>
0: Way Net- too talented people <laughs> singing way too serious a bunch of songs during that night in the life of these toys.
1: Mike, Netflix, they're having troubles at the stock market right now. Their stock took a, a dip. The subscriber count stopped growing or is growing much more slowly than anticipated. So they, they promised 5 million new subscribers. They
0: only got 2.7 hmm. and they went down so hard at the stock market. That is crazy. You, you grew your subscriber base by 2.7 million people times 10. is Numbers that
1: other streaming services would kill for.
0: Right. But because you promised a bigger number, that's what happened. That's how fickle the stock market is. My God! Thank God we don't have money because we would lose it.
1: (laughs) Well, they gotta be—they have to be running on serious debt, and they have a lot of probably money outstanding that they don't have in house. So I don't know. I'm sure they have plenty of liquid, but the liquidity can't be that good compared to what they're running against. Yeah. So I would think that anytime you hit any kind of speed bump with that type of company, it's going to worry a shitload of investors, and that could explain the dip. Now,
0: I think everybody's using this story, and the Ringer did a big, you know, segment of Mm -hmm. their show this week on it. They're using this story to talk about the upcoming streaming wars, and I guess we can you know, t- touch on that for a second. You know, Mike, we don't have Hulu, but no. we have Netflix and Amazon, and I have AMC Playlist, and we both have a HBO, and yep. you have a couple of different things that I don't have, right. and we both plan to get Disney Plus sure. and probably Apple Plus. At some point... People are not going to have everything. And we both have cable, too. So at some point, we're not going to have everything. They're going to be fighting for our attentions. Is this prophetic of what's going to happen?
1: I find it funny that for years, cable providers refused to give customers the options of picking and choosing their, their channels and their plans because they said it wouldn't be financially viable and it wouldn't work. And now due to streaming that's exactly what's happening we're all picking yeah. and choosing what we actually want to see and we're actually encountering pretty much the similar problem anyway about having only being able to spend so much money a month on entertainment and television and stuff so you know it <laughs> is netflix going to die no not anytime soon i would think but is there a cap on this type of stuff sure and that's why they got a you got to be on your A-game when you're competing with Disney, when you're competing with Hulu, uh, with HBO's out there. There's all types of high-end quality entertainment that are vying for the only so many dollars that everybody has for disposable income to put towards television. I just wonder what's going to happen to the stock price when
0: Netflix actually only grows, or they lose subscribers to these other people, or they only grow by 50,000. Is that a bad month when you only grow by 50,000 subscribers if you're Netflix? I don't, Jesus, is that a bad quarter or whatever? I mean, it certainly would be at this point if they're adding
1: at least $2 million per per month right now. But you're right, there's got to be a cap somewhere in the future, right? It's like, still
0: good business, like, to have most people owning a Netflix account, which is probably the case in the United States of America. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And maybe the world. Yeah. If you have more than 50% of people with that $15 subscription.
1: God, they can't have, the Irishman's got to be a hit. Yeah. <laughs> if they sink that much money into something that flops, they, that's going to be a trou- uh, a piece of trouble, I would think. It's, I don't know. It's, it's tough times yeah, yeah, High stakes. stakes are coming. Terminator Dark
0: Fate. We had new footage released at Comic-Con, but the big announcement uh, was regarding Edward Furlong coming back from Terminator 2 Judgment Day as John
1: Connor. Do you care? Sure. Why not? I mean, I've never been the biggest Terminator guy, and I supposedly that now Dark Fate some I read that this is going to be a direct sequel to T2 cool so it's going to re-kind of cast taking the Halloween approach different timelines with different things happening and if you're going to do that if you're going to have a sequel to T2 yeah why not have the original John Connor at your disposal what's he been doing you know is he not available
0: he he had he had his struggles and fought his demons for a while that's why he wasn't in The last few, as your brother told us the other day when he
1: crashed our recording session. (laughs) We had a big Terminator talk. I mean, not to make light of that, but if if he's available and fit to work, yeah, why not bring him back? But it's a formula
0: that's worked before with Halloween we just saw recently. Playing on nostalgia. And I like the fact, I just wish it wasn't like a year after the last one. Like, we needed more time. Like, what was the last zombie Halloween movie? Like, we had how many years since the last zombie Halloween movie? Like, just the other years. decade, yeah. Yeah, like, last year we had Arnold and Daenerys Targaryen fighting Terminators. Was that just last year? Two or three years ago, right? Or one year ago. I don't know. I didn't see Genesis. But (laughs) that was, like, just happening. So So you think
1: it's too soon to be splitting timelines? It's it's too
0: soon, yeah, because I'm confused. Okay. Tim Miller's a good director. He directed Deadpool. So I'm in. I like the trailer.
1: And it does, yeah, the trailer looks a lot better than I would have thought a Terminator movie in 2019 would look. So I am excited for it, and the graphics look look stunning. Um, I'm I'm hopeful. Your brother's yelling at his uh, iPhone right now. He loves this franchise. I don't get it. It's (laughs) it's fine. The first two movies are immaculate, and then it's fine. Mike, we'll wrap up here with our boy, Quentin Tarantino. He wrote fake TV shows for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and... Of course, now he actually wants to make real TV shows out of them.
0: So let's just call bullshit on all of this retirement <laughs> talk right now, because we could totally see him making these as his next movie because he already wrote them and he loves them, and it's his, it's his next death proof filler in between movie to movie, and he could talk about all his canonical films. You know, a year from now he'll be like, actually, death proof. It isn't one of my films. <laughs> it's just not one of those films. And I don't know. I mean, he could totally just retcon the fact that the Star Trek movie he's about to make, or if he does... Will not count towards his ten, and right. he just pick and choose his best ten uh, as his
1: ten. Yeah, I, I think I've said my piece on which his, we're rooting for, right? His retirement angle. Uh, I think it's like akin to a WWE retirement angle.
0: But this is good buzz for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If he loves like the the productions within the production so much that he wants to make them, it's getting us excited for those you know yes. to play out on I screen think, in this movie.
1: I think he is of the same mind as like George Lucas was Once Upon a Time. I think he's just a hardcore film fan that has made enough money and gotten enough success to where he just has ideas and he knows he can make them happen just to see what happens with them i
0: mean he he's going to retire from cinema according to him he's not going to retire from everything so maybe that involves tv maybe that involves the theater like he talks about maybe that involves writing novels maybe yeah. he'll try that he'll dabble in it and then he'll hate it and want to just make a movie 10 years from now or eight years from now or two years from yeah now.
1: he'll retire from cinema when he's dead and even then, we'll probably need some kind con- of confirmation.
0: Scorsese can't retire. Right. As much as he wants to, <laughs> he can't
1: retire. So I don't buy. Yeah, it's not happening. Of course, would, they, would it be surprising to me to see these turn into movies? Seeing these turn into TV shows? No, Do of course Tarantino's not. Tarantino's watching this de
0: aging uh, capability and wondering if he could get like younger Michael or younger Jim, you know, Jim Parks there. That'd be interesting. Uh, in yeah, maybe. Up. Why not?
1: Just keep making things, Tarantino. We'll keep. Uh, we will <laughs> we'll keep hyping you up for you <laughs> uh, guys that is your week that is your Hollywood week and review and setting you up for the Hollywood weird week to come like we said we know comic-con is still going on and by the time this comes out this may all be old news anyway so we appreciate you listening and anything we do miss we will be catching up on in next week's MMOW in the interim though if you have any comments questions concerns remarks about this any other MMO weekly podcast anything else we do in the Tarantino rewatch series we got our Pixar rewatch series out there that led up to Toy Story 4 uh, reviewing a bunch of stuff right now uh, we want to hear from you we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on the twitter machine mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc just type in mike mike and oscar you'll see our cartoon faces smiling back at you and we have an announcement to make about future programming as well. So, Michael, what's coming up from us? So, we love talking about the Oscars. So we're finishing up our mid-year Oscars report It's now. kind of what we do.
0: We're putting out part three this week. Uh, we'll have the Oscar Sprint Profile series where we review all these eventual nominees. We I think we got eight or nine in the playlist already, yeah. based on what's already been released, like Us and Rocket Man and Avengers Endgame and Captain Marvel. They all count. Apollo Eleven. Sure, that's all in in the playlist there, plus a couple more. So we are going to continue uh, talking Oscars, and we're going to do it on a weekly basis. MMOW has become so much fun. As a news reaction show, as a movie preview show, as a trailer reaction show, as an audience interaction show, as a pop culture what we're watching show that it just ballooned into something so big that we're going to now spin off our Oscar race update. We don't know what we're calling it yet. We don't know what we're branding it yet. It's an Oscar race update. That might be the name of it at the end of the day. And we don't know when it's going
1: to debut yet. But that's going to happen. We're thinking August. We're yeah. thinking
0: that we'll have enough juice. Just the last few weeks, we I had an Oscar race update with four or five stories. Right. We're going to do, do some segments for that show and basically give you your specific Oscar race fix talk, race talk every week.
1: Yeah, and we, we're serious about what we say at the end of every episode. We want to make award season year round for you guys, and we figure this is a good way to do that. Uh, if the website ever does come, that'll be a big part of it too I I was looking at it you guys are doing a great job with it and uh, we're we're getting there we are getting there so we do want to be your home for all things Oscars specifically we know there's a lot of other great podcasts out there that cover all awards show uh, and all with TV music all that we really do appreciate you taking the time to have us be your home for everything Oscar related and everything film related so uh, in that vein we want to Give you a weekly show to hype up and keep the Oscars picture in your fresh in your mind every single week with every story related to it that comes out. It's going to be necessary too
0: because we go on and hit on all these subjects for MMOW. If we tried to do like a thirty-minute segment on whatever award show that just happened a a day ago, these episodes are going to be an hour and forty-five minutes long. We might as well spin that off into its own show, and you guys will be happier for it, and you'll get two like, you know,
1: movie talk fix shows. In one week. So, that's a look forward to. That's going to be coming up in the pipeline. Look, uh, That'll be more about that as we get to it. And frankly, when I come back from vacation. Uh, We're done. <laughs> we did it. The words of wisdom, this, Mike. This is, this is the happiest I've been. Let's
0: both relax. I know you're going to continue listening to us this week if you're our, one of our fans. And we really appreciate it. Like, Absolutely. We have this group of fans that immediately listen to us every time we put out an episode. It means the world to us. Yeah, you guys and are dope. We have a lot of people that come back and listen as, as they go. But we, we get a big number every time that we're really proud of. So thank you for doing that. And we have a full release schedule for you this week.
1: Yeah, we it's, got some surprises in the future for you yeah. guys, too. We're looking out for you. We're, we're thinking about expanding this empire in a couple ways. So thank you. For Stick current. with us. Uh, and like Mike said, in the next week. Four episodes once again, even though we won't be around. And if you're looking for up-to-date and more current stuff, we'll be very current with those episodes, but we will also be at the helm of our social medias like we always are. Definitely. So keep keep up-to-date with us there as well. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) We can go up and relax. Go on vacation, Mike. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you soon. See ya.